Welcome to Breaking <laughs> Vinyl. I'm your host, Dez, a.k.a. Johnny, Johnny, Judge. Fever, 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 fever. <laughs> and as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First up, the podcaster coming through in high fidelity. Evil Ed. What's up, Ed? Uh, how you doing? How's everybody doing out there? Good, good, good. And last but not least, the podcaster playing the deep cuts beside Dave. What's up, Dave? Hello, how's it going? Very good. Your mic sounds great this week. Thank you. Okay. Tonight, we will be discussing the Top Gun soundtrack, released on May 13th of 1986 by Columbia Records. The album peaked at the number one position on the Billboard 200. And I will give you the artists on the album as we get to them in the track-by-track breakdown. Okay. So first up, we're going to do some album facts. I will take it away. Fact number one, Take My Breath Away was so good, it inspired director Tony Scott to write more romantic love scenes in the movie Top Gun. Fun fact number two, this is not a 100-watt album. That's what I have. Uh, (laughs) Ed, what do you have on the Top Gun soundtrack? Uh, You know, I was amazed at how many facts and like fun facts were about this album because so many songs I didn't realize were offered to other artists Hmm. and and it's like the list is endless where I was kind of surprised you know like Danger Zone was you know it was offered to Brian Adams it's like wow that's so weird Wow, (laughs) you know you know Corey Hart Ario Speedwagon they were all offered this before you know Kenny Loggins just wound up doing it uh, Thank God, you know, but and it applies to so many other songs on this soundtrack. I was amazed, you know. I think it's gonna be kind of fun when we get to like some of the songs and some of the artists that were actually offered these songs, like Lover Boy and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, right. Uh, Dave, what did you scrape up on Top Gun soundtrack? All right, uh, they went through thirty plus songs uh, to to figure out what was going to be on the album. Uh, you know, at the end, uh, sales was uh, nine times platinum. That's wow. pretty good. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it, it reached number one in the U.S. charts for five non-consecutive weeks in the summer and autumn of 1986 and was the best-selling soundtrack of 1986. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, the song Take My Breath Away by Berlin went on to win both the Academy Award for Best Original Song and the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song. Wow. Yeah, I'm not surprised this movie was fucking, you know, this thing was sizzling hot. So, yeah. Um, All right, let's do some quick opening thoughts. So, I just watched Top Gun for the movie podcast. So, I can say I have listened to this album cover to cover before preparing for the podcast. Um, Ed, have you listened to the album cover to cover before preparing for the podcast? I have not. I've seen the movie several times. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. And I do have to mention that uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick is fantastic, but it's oh. like a remake of Star Wars. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Literally I, the exact same movie. Yeah, I loved. <laughs> I loved the. Uh, I loved the remake. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm just I'm a big movie of you know spy movies, war yes. movies, anything like that, and I love playing. So this this just yeah yeah the orig- big, go ahead. I was just going to say, Top Gun, the original is one, I thought, one of my favorite movies that we watched it. But we watched it for uh, the movie podcast, and it didn't hold up like I thought it was going to. No, no, it definitely doesn't. It was was kind of a grind getting through it, to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dave, what did you think? Have you ever listened to this album cover to cover before preparing for the podcast? I've heard the hits before. Mm -hmm. I saw the movie. You know, many times, of course. Uh, I, I don't think I listened to the soundtrack album. I may have heard it before, but but don't remember. Right. All right. Well, we'll get into the track-by-track track breakdown. So I am going to give you uh, who wrote it and who performed it and who produced it for each one and what label it came out on. Um, uh, again, I butcher names, so let's just have fun with it as I just... <laughs> Tear these things apart, okay? Uh, so the first track on the album is Danger Zone. It was written by Giorgio Marauder and Tom Whitlock. It was performed by Kenny Loggins, produced by Giorgio Marauder, and it was courtesy of CBS Records. 
And uh, this week, the order is going to be me, Dave, and Ed. And next week, Dave will go into the first position on the thoughts. So here we go. Uh, so this one is, um, honestly, this is one of my favorite pop 80 songs from the 80s. Like, this fucking thing comes on when I'm driving around. I can't turn it up loud enough. I sing every word. I fucking love it. Um, it's perfect. It's perfect writing um, from the music to the lyrics. This is everything you want in a soundtrack cut like this. And then you set it to the movie and it just gets even better. Um, the production is so clean on this one. I don't know if you guys noticed. You can literally hear every single instrument at the same time. And none of it steps on Kenny's perfect vocal performance. <laughs> um, I love the guitar solo. And even more than the guitar solo, I love the saxophone solo at the end. It's so good. So, yeah, those are my opening thoughts on Danger Zone. I thought that shit was fucking on point. 100-watt song. Uh, Dave, what did you think of Danger Zone? Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Lana, call Kenny Loggins because you're in the Danger Zone. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> che cheesy in a good way. Uh, very synthy and drum machine-y. Mm -hmm. uh, like these uh, panned hi-hats in the verse, you know, left and right, going back and forth. Uh, that's that's a nice touch. Absolutely. The, uh, the guitar solo was performed by Dan Huff of Giant. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Who's, Interesting. Yeah, he's he's. We, I looked him up, and he's got a resume a mile long. He's done uh, a lot of production and stuff like that. And it's good. Great solo. Yeah. Um, hey, you said something about electric drums. So that snare drum is an electronic drum. Oh me? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm pretty sure everything in there except the guitar and kenny Loggins vocal is synth okay it's it's I a synth snare i thought that snare sounded great i loved it i don't know <laughs> I, I i think it's all synth bass synth drums um i i didn't know kenny Loggins didn't write it i didn't know it wasn't his song but it sounds I, like it, it sounds like it's got his fingerprints all over it right <laughs> yeah, yeah but I, he, he did a great job singing it it's funny a lot of the songs on this album feel like they have kenny Loggins fingerprints all over them but they don't, which is weird. Yeah, I think he only co-wrote one of the songs, I think. Yeah, really weird. There is another song on here that is like the watered-down generic version of Danger Zone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we'll get to it. And mm -hmm. what did you think of Danger Zone? Uh, yeah, perfect song. Uh, first thing I wrote uh, for this film and just opening to the soundtrack. It's it's so much energy. Uh, and I could, you know, it, it's so weird that Brit Dave brought up, you know, it, it's so keyboard based because it's it teeters on it for me where i'm like okay you know what and i just listened to it again real quick uh and just if that's a keyboard drum sound that is unbelievable so good right because that snare is popping oh, and i'm like you know what the bait and i literally wrote not a fan of the keyboard bass but then when i was listening to it again just a second ago i'm like i don't know i've actually managed to get that tone on my bass i don't know if i could have got it back in you know whenever this was 1980 yeah, whatever yeah, 86 but oh just you know opening with the ba -ba 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 Dude, on the bass i'm like i'm like oh finally the bass uh, is getting some recognition <laughs> just bringing it in like that you got me going i was ready to start doing the guitar exactly part. <laughs> and, and honestly right my favorite part of the song is uh during the verse, when the drums come in with the little fills on the upbeats, so boom, good, boom, 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 and I'm like, uh, oh my god, yes, oh, I'm in the car, yeah, just like you yeah. does, as loud as can be, singing, banging on the steering wheel. Oh yeah, my my kids are looking at me like I'm a fool. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> guy in the guy in the car next to you is like, oh yeah. shit, you get your Prozac this morning, huh, Grandpa? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, it's, it's just it really good, and in the way. Kenny Loggins sings it. I mean, oh. uh, I'm a huge fan of Kenny Loggins' voice. I'm actually going to see him uh, in September, and I cannot wait. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I fucking love Kenny Loggins. It's a guilty pleasure for me. It's just so good. Uh, all right. Second track on the song. This one's interesting. I'm sure this is going to spark a ton of conversation. Mighty <laughs> Wings. And uh, right off the bat, okay, written by Harold Faltermeyer and Mark Spiro. Performed by Cheap Trick, produced by Harold Faitemeyer. I know I'm butchering that. I'm sorry. Courtesy of CBS <laughs> Records. Um, so here we have uh, Cheap Trick. 
But this does not sound like cheap track, okay? No. This and so this is my dilemma with this song. Uh, like the rest of the civilized world, I love cheap track, love them. But with that being said, this is not my favorite cheap track song. Um, it would have been better if it had been performed by Kenny Loggins because it suits Kenny Loggins. It sounds like it could be Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, um, Robin Zander, he gives a great performance on this and he almost shows a little range that you don't, that's actually not true. He has a lot of range. Yeah. <laughs> um, range was the wrong word to choose a little, um, flavor. Okay. He's going outside his comfort zone. It doesn't sound like a cheap trick song. He's singing it differently. Um, like I wouldn't pick this out and be like, Oh, oh that's Robin Sander. No, I wouldn't even know it was him. If I was, and my wife didn't, and she knows about music. As you guys know, we're watching danger zone. And I said to her, you know, this is cheap trick. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, trust me, this is cheap trick. Um, yeah. So he's getting it done and the band was on point, but it didn't sound like cheap trick. It didn't, but, but it did fit the flavor of the movie and you can feel that they're writing these songs to fit this movie. Did a great job with that. So, Again, this is my dilemma. Yeah, it fits the it fits the flavor of the movie, so I have to tip my hat to Cheap Trick for being able to step outside of the danger zone and do what they had to do to pull this off. So I loved it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Dave, what did you think of uh, Mighty Wings? Well, it sounds like a great place to grab some chicken and cold ones. Mighty oh, yeah. Wings! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I love it. That's, that's, you know, they're, they're opening a location in Woburn next week. Oh, God. And they have the uh, the Top Gun afterburner wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, okay. this is definitely not the best Cheap Trick song. It, no. It's fine, though. Yeah. Um, Robin Zander's voice is great, as always. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of guitar. You know, I, I feel like Rick Nielsen may have not had a lot to do on this song. Agreed. But, uh, you know, song's kind of forgettable. Instrumental sounds are very 80s. Uh, but it, it's fine. You know, yeah. it, it's still cheap trick. I'll take it. Yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> dude. You just, that's exactly what was going through my head. Same thing. Uh, Ed, Mighty Wings. I know you loved the song and learned it. So I let's did. Hear. I did. So, <laughs> it, uh, and like you guys said, you, you know, no idea with cheap trick. And I think this applies to a lot of these songs. They put the band as the performer. And it's really just the lead singer, in my opinion of all these bands, because there's a Miami Sound Machine song later that it's like, no, this is a Gloria Estefan song right. and not a Miami Sound Machine song. Yeah. Um, but for this, all the other guys' tracks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think it's just, it, it has an iconic 80s pop rock opening. You know, it just, it, I love this song. Uh, it's really big, and, and Xander just kills it, I think, on this. Um, like, in, and I, I think once you get into the pre-chorus in the chorus that's when you really realize oh this is robin zander right um right. you know and during the verse you don't really notice it he sounds almost like someone else yeah um you know but musically i think it moves i i the change like i'm listening to this and the whole thing's in like like it's like an f to an e flat and a d flat and then the transition it they subtly go up a half step and all of a sudden it's in like yeah. D, A, and, and, and B, and I'm like, wait, what? And and something about the way that flows and sounds, it just, oh, my God, I lost my mind. I, I did. I learned the song because I'm like, this is so cool. I love how the transition, and then it transitions back down uh, the half step, and I'm like, oh, this is just so good. You know, and it really, it sadly, it made me realize uh, how much I uh, forgot all the music theory I used to know. <laughs> oh shit! Made me realize I need to go back to school. <laughs> um, yeah, Ed. So th that's the problem with this song, though. For me, was that it was cheap trick, right? Had it been yeah. anybody else, it would have scored higher because it's impossible not to put it up against surrender and stuff like that. It's impossible. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you know all these amazing cheap trick songs, and then you listen to this and you but, go, "Ah, that's not cheap trick." But you gotta you gotta look at it as all they did was perform it. 
Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, they didn't write, I, whereas they yeah. wrote the other songs. And I and I tip my hat to them for being able to do that. And they yeah. they did pull it off, and they gave the producer of this album what he wanted. So I tip my hat to them for doing that. But like Dave said, it's not my favorite Cheap Trek song. Yeah, um, well, okay. uh, you mean this doesn't stand up to Don't Be Cruel? No. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so let's take our shirts off for this one because, oh boy, am I going to gush over this song, yes. okay? Oh, God, this is such a guilty pleasure. It's like, a, fuck yeah. So yes. Playing With The Boys, track three, written by Kenny Loggins, which makes sense. Uh, Ina, uh, uh, someone Wolf and Peter Wolf. Okay, yeah. so I'm guessing uh, Ina Wolf, maybe? Peter Wolf's wife? Makes sense? Sure. Okay. Yep. Uh, Peter Wolf is from Boston too. Yes or no? Yes. It, no, well, it's not. It's not that guy. It's not the Jay Giles guy. Oh, oh it's, it's not the not. Jay Giles. Peter Wolf. I, I, I looked into it just out of curiosity. It's a different dude. Okay. <laughs> right now, um, Seamus is. You couldn't do that and have uh, the same name for like uh, legal reasons and everything with uh, trade uh, trademarks and everything. Oh, interesting. As hard as I butchered those names right now, Seamus is jerking the wheel into a telephone ball. He's like, yes, you uh, fucking idiot. Can you read? All right, peace, Seamus. Okay, this is performed by Kenny Loggins and produced by Peter Wolf, but not the Peter Wolf. Or maybe he is the Peter Wolf. Courtesy of CBS Records. Okay, so <clears throat> playing with the boys. Why do I love this song? Because it's Kenny fucking Loggins, that's why. Uh, again, this track is pop done right. It's it's amazing from the snare sound to Kenny's vocals sprinkled in with these female background vocals. It just, oh, they're like the hot dog roll around the hot dog. It's delicious. I love it. Oh, so to speak. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, you get what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just love it. Um, this song is a guilty pleasure, and I will sing this sucker out loud and proud with the windows down in my car in traffic every time it comes on. This one is this one goes hand to hand with another song that's a guilty pleasure from the same time that I will sing out loud, and that's Cruel Summer by Bananarama. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love these two songs hand in hand. Um, yeah, this is this is pop rock done right. I don't have a lot of uh, notes on the actual performance or the sounds. I know you guys will. I just wanted to gush on how much I just fucking love the song. Just, yeah, that's what I got. So, uh, Dave, give us something a little deeper than I love this song like I just gave. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, this is the, the famous volleyball scene in Top Gun. Yes. Uh, lots of synth. Uh, it's a great chorus of the song. Everybody knows it. Um, listening to it though, I was surprised by the verses that were, the verses weren't really to me catchy or, or as familiar as, you know, when, when you come in with that chorus, like that's okay. the whole song right there, but, okay. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good, but you know, what's funny about <laughs> this one. So Dave, when you have a chorus as strong as this chorus, oh yeah, um, the verse that isn't quite as catchy almost as a foil to it. Like it right, almost right. like makes that verse pop, uh, that chorus pop even harder. So even more, this is, yeah. yeah, this is the exception, not the rule. Like this is just one of those choruses that just, it cannot be denied. Ed, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. go ahead. If if this doesn't scream a Kenny Loggins pop song, I don't know what does. Yeah, I love this song. It's so cool. The drum keyboard guitar opening. I'm just like, oh, yep. This is totally Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Um, and then the bass sound. The bass sound is great. And what's funny, I just looked it up. I didn't realize Nathan East is the one playing the bass. And if you guys don't know the name, uh, I, I first discovered him. Uh, he played bass for Eric Clapton. Oh, wow. Uh, at the peak of like Eric Clapton's 80s type stuff. But he's uh, Nathan's played bass with everybody. I mean, he's he's like Leland Sklar. He's just got endless credits. You know, no thousands shit. and thousands of credits. Nice. Uh, the guy's a monster. Wow. Um, go ahead. What? No, I was just going to say oh. watching that watching that beach volleyball scene it was funny. We noticed like Goose didn't take his shirt off cuz the actor had no belly. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No Tom, muscle. Yeah, Tom Cruise gets all the close-ups. And it was funny cuz Val Kilmer was in pretty good shape for the movie, but obviously he felt undersized because they really only shot him from the shoulders up. Got a yeah. couple of couple of quick shots of him 
uh, yep. from the waist up. But yeah, he obviously was feeling a little insecure and I hey, thought he looked let's, great. Let's not forget about uh, C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, C. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, yeah, if, if this does not fit that beach volleyball scene so perfectly. And then there's, if you notice, uh, there's a small little tiny like one to two beat note to change and transition from the no. chorus back into the verse that I was just like, wait, what? You know, and it took me a second and I kept listening to it. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. It's so weird. It's 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 just something that you that goes unnoticed until you try to start really listening deep into the song. And yeah. uh, I appreciated that. Yeah. No, it's 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 fucking pop culture. I mean, this thing is iconic. Um, so so when are we going to remake that scene? <laughs> nobody wants That's, to see that no one wants no, to see that oh, shit. I, I'll go down and remake it after we're done with my wife <laughs> honey sit can, down and watch this can we uh, photoshop okay. some abs on me <laughs> <laughs> photoshop an ass on me <laughs> uh, okay so next track uh, track four is called lead me on it's written by Giorgio Marauder again <laughs> And Tom, and Tom Whitlock. Whitlock. <laughs> uh, it's performed by <laughs> Tina Marie and it's produced by Giorgio Marauder. It's courtesy of CBS Records. Um, so this is missing that vocal hook, right? Like it's just not there. Um, but if you like a brass section, you're gonna get treated to a fucking good one. Like yeah. the brass section is off the fucking charts on this. Um, Tina Marie is putting out a forgettable vocal and Unfortunately for her, her background singers are fucking amazing. So they are just crushing her vocal. Every time these background vocals come in, I'm like, oh yeah, they sing great. <laughs> um, I love the guitar playing on this. Um, we get this nice contrast between the guitar players, like uh, slinky rhythm playing where you get those like, chick, 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 you know, those little like things. And it's so good. And then we're going to get these kind of bigger, one notes ringing out during the bridges with like the much uh, more distortion on it. I really thought that worked very, very well. Um, it's a very good music track. Like I said, incredible background vocals. Unfortunately, the lead vocal falls way short and the chorus hook is almost non-existent on this song. It's not good. I don't love it. Um, Dave. Uh, I, I think the lyrics aren't great because, it's, you know, the same guys wrote all these songs, you know, right. for, for the movie. Uh, but this is Lady T. She's a very underrated singer. Uh, this might not be the best showcase for her, but she is amazing as a mm -hmm. lead singer. Oh, um, really? Okay. I don't know. What oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to check out her other stuff. Okay. But, uh, you know, kind of the same basic synth sounds as Danger Zone. Um, you know, good horns. But mixing seems a little off. You know, the vocals are all very pushed totally, up front. Totally, uh, mm. The instruments are way further back. But, you know, that might be better because of everything is, is synth. And so, you know, that obviously is a, you know, purposeful uh, choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if like it was so much that she didn't sound great. Like I didn't, the vocal wasn't like, it didn't grind on me. It's just those back row <laughs> vocals were so fucking good, you know? Oh so, yeah. I'm sure they had the, uh, brought in the best. Yeah. And they were. <laughs> um, so that's what you got. Okay. Ed, what'd you think? Uh, I really like Tina, uh, Tina Marie's voice. I think it's, it's fantastic. I think the song though, it's very generic. I, I think it, it almost sounds like they wrote the music for obviously the soundtrack, but to like be just music. And then they decided later, Hey, we should throw a, you know, lyrics and melody to this and have someone sing it. Like it was an afterthought, which is why I think it really, it just, it sounds like it's, there's no identity. It was like, okay, here's the music for this scene in the movie. And then, ah, oh, you know what? We had success we, and we're going to have hits with these songs. Let's try to make this a hit too. Let's just throw some vocals on it. Yeah. You know, but yeah, the horns, I think, are the standout part in the song. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, really enjoyable. Right. So track five, this is a highlight. You know, this is, we've been getting this with a ton of these albums too, where you get like the big three, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the big three on here are pretty big. I'm, I mean, for 80s pop, they're they're monsters. They're they're great. And this one, 
Holy shit. Take my breath away. Uh, written by, and I'm not going to do it again, the same two dudes. Uh, performed by Berlin, produced by Giorgio Marauder, courtesy of Geffen Records and um, Phonogram BV, whatever that means. Uh, <clears throat> so I love this song. Everybody loves this song. And this is how you write a hit chorus, okay? This chorus is as good as it gets. Again, this is one of those, you know, 10 out of 10. This is perfect. Um, Terry Nunn delivers a perfect vocal on this. The music is very simple, but it fits the vocal like a glove. And uh, I also like the key change in the middle of this. I don't always usually go for that, but in this one, just it just lifts the song up another level. And using that in a song that's musically so simple, super effective. So I fucking love this song. Like the rest of the civilized world, I love this oh, song. Yeah. Dave? Yep, great song, great recording, hooky as fuck. They have, uh, you know, the vocal hooks plus the musical hook, which yeah. is uh, very good. You know, amazing vocal performance. Uh, when they get to that second chorus, you're expecting them to repeat the line that take my breath away. And yeah. instead of giving you that, they give you the bridge, mm. you know, and, and then, then they surprise you again with that key change for the third verse. So it's, it's keeping everything moving. Um, you know, great song. Uh, the guy in Berlin I hear uh, from reading was bitter about the success of the song. And then after, you know, this came out, you know, he was kind of being being a bitch about it because really? he didn't have a hand in writing it. So, you know, he was he was bitter about it. Yeah, because he realized, you know, he was missing out on freaking millions of dollars. Uh, yeah. yeah. Could I just put like two words in it and get some writing credit, please? <laughs> yeah. That's, I just that's like a, one point, please. <laughs> that's a joke for me and my wife. Anytime we're anywhere, like we were at the casino last night and um the slot machine we were playing was playing Europe, the final countdown when you get into the bonus round. And, and the joke is, oh, Europe just got paid. Or <laughs> yeah. anytime we're watching, you know, any sporting event, welcome to Jungle comes on. Well, Axel just got paid. Yep. You know, so that's the joke. But I guess the guy from Berlin did not just get paid. No. Uh, Ed, what did you think? Uh, so a couple fun facts. Uh, this song was actually first offered to the motels. Oh, really? who I think would have done a, a good job with it. Um, however, uh, they did not take it. Uh, they did record a demo of it, and it, they actually released it on a, a compilation album. So I'd like to hear that. I'll have to listen to that one day. Oh, really? So there does the, a um, version yep. of that exists? <clears throat> yeah, the song was offered to the cool. motels, I'm gonna write and that they uh, later released it on their compilation album, Anthology Land. Um, oh, I'm going to uh, listen to that records, one. Pod's over. Uh, but a funny story about uh, Tom Whitlock and your buddy there, um, Giorgio <laughs> Medora. Medora uh, is I butchered the nice. name. <laughs> uh, Kicking the so, shit uh, out of his name. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> Marauder <laughs> gave Sorry, the demo to Lyris' Tom Whitlock. The, first, uh, the two first became acquainted when Whitlock, a mechanic, fixed a brace on <laughs> Marauder's Ferrari. Can you imagine? Hey, I got this. You want to put some lyrics to it? I mean, hey, that is like storybook right there. I no think doubt. We've all been in that position where we're like, why can't someone just come in and offer me a chance? Yeah, right. <laughs> Be painting at someone's house. They're like, hey, guys, you got any ideas on this song? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Uh, but about this song, I mean, what's here to say about it? It's the perfect song performed by the perfect band for that song, yes. in my opinion. Terry yeah. Nunn, just her voice is so perfect in this yep. song. Um, yeah, and like you said, with Terry Nunn, too, it's not like she's like this fucking, like, you know, over the top no. crazy. She just had the right flavor. Yep. Yep. Yeah, right sound. And, and what's unique is you listen to the song, and if you really analyze the music, you're like, wait, there's barely any music. Thank you. <laughs> But it is so full. You're like, you're thinking it's an orchestra. And you're like, no, it's like two keyboards and yeah. like a hi-hat. Yeah. <laughs> and a snare like here and there. You're like, little, what? Little Caldor Casio fucking <laughs> yeah. keyboard. But it's pumping out the right tracks. Oh, my God. It's 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 the it, it's a great example of less is more, I guess, you know? Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. That's, yeah. That was exactly how I heard it, too, was this track is just, it's just simple. But good 
Uh, track six, Hot Summer Nights. We get some different writers here. We're going to get Michael J., Alan Roy Scott, and Roy Freeland. These are names I can all jive. <laughs> Performed by Miami Sound Machine. Produced by Emilio Estefan Jr. and Giorgio Marauder. Courtesy of CBS Records. Um, so Miami Sound Machine treats us to a really nice, busy Latin rhythm section here. Trimmed with these great horns and some cool guitars. Um, the vocals, while missing that big hook again, like these guys were doing a great job of writing for this album, but some of these just didn't have the hooks. And especially when you're putting them up against the big three. Um, so again, the vocals while missing the big hook is still very, very good. Um, you have to respect what the band is doing here. I mean, Miami Sound Machine, super talented, right? I mean, I, I oh yeah, they're they're uber, they're crazy. Like, yeah, like they're the Latin rhythms and all just the percussion that's in it is. is I just I love it. The problem is, I think this lacks it. Unlike you think it's it's there, and I just don't think there's any Miami Sound Machine on this. Well, I mean, when you're putting this up against the um, the Wonder Bread that's being presented on this album. It sounds yeah, okay. pretty, it sounds yeah, pretty. It sounds full. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good point. Good point. Pretty Latin. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, Dave, what did you think of this one? A lot of drum machine. I uh, feel like the soundtrack overall could have benefited from some more real instruments instead of uh, drum machines and synth. Um, you know, like, like we were talking about a minute ago, I'm not really getting, the the miami sound machine that we know from their their own hits you know you're not getting a lot of that that percussion and stuff like that uh, song is fine you know gloria estefan vocal is great of course yeah um, yeah i thought the chorus was good you know it was not too bad but uh you know just all right yeah it's funny dave you you make a good point i think if this was on a miami sound machine record we would have got more um real percussion oh yeah. yeah you know more bongos more it just would have been looser but it did still sound big uh a and b with the rest of this album and sure. so um, i love miami sound machine i think they're great um but i don't think this is really in their wheelhouse i don't think it's completely out of their wheelhouse but it's i wish it was more of just a gloria stefan yeah solo performance Sure. Um, Because I think her voice sounds great. I love her voice. Uh, The intro, I think, is terrible. Yeah. It bothered me so much. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this this is just bad. Um, And it's even like 80s bad, in my opinion. Um, The verse I found to be just uneventful, but I really like her harmonies that she's singing with herself. Uh, and, And I thought, like, what made the song appealing is the chord changes, how it went from the verse to the pre-chorus, and then into the, and how it flowed into the chorus. And that's really all, that's the only thing that I felt redeemed the song, is that in Gloria Estefan's voice. Right. Yeah, and no, I agree with everything you said there. I mean, it's Miami Sound Machine, so it's fine. Uh, so track seven on this album Makes is... it a big four. Yeah, <laughs> big four. Uh, no, it doesn't. Yes, uh, it does. Oh. Track, come on, stop. Okay, so I want to start off. All right, so it's heaven in your eyes. Okay, and uh, this is Loverboy. So I want to say it's funny because I am a huge Loverboy fan, and they still perform like you know 50, oh, yeah. 60 shows a year. And it's funny because the singer, though he is a boiled ham now. Still, still can sing like yes. he still sings like these you know everybody's working for the weekend kid is hot tonight he's still performing these songs at a high level like he can pull off all the screams and so i was watching him on youtube last night watching different shows from 2022 2023 and just blown away at how good this band sounds for how old they are and Absolutely. a lot of bands are not pulling it off but with that being said Maybe I like this song if it's not Loverboy performing it, but it is Loverboy performing it. Um, So I'm a huge Loverboy fan, like I said. And like with the Cheap Trick song, 
this is not my favorite flavor of Loverboy. It doesn't taste like Loverboy. It doesn't sound like Loverboy. It doesn't even sound like the singer. Um, I thought the keyboard sounded very small and very weak, and they have a very good keyboard player. Um, I thought the drums sounded very small and very simple, and they have a very complicated, busy, hard-hitting drummer. Um, I mean, the song is fine, but it's forgettable. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I got to tip my hat to them. It works for the soundtrack, but I don't know, man. It's not catchy, and the singer is better than this. It doesn't sound good for him. This guy's got oh. so much character in his voice. Like, he can pull off songs like, you know, everybody's working for the weekend, and ah, they just are so good, and it's built on his character and his flavor and just the way he delivers vocals, and none of it is on this song. None of it. Dave? Oh, no, the Loverboy power ballad. Yuck. <laughs> uh, it's not um, even a power ballad, though. Yeah, this is this is not good. There's uh, Thank you. No, nothing special about this song. I mean, I, I like some of Loverboy's songs. You know, I'll admit it. Uh, but yeah, this is oof. Um, it, I thought it was funny that they hit the first chorus at exactly the one minute mark. You know, I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> no, little, oh, little, it's, it's, little yeah. formula going on there. Yeah, build me a hit. Three minutes yeah. and twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh. Yeah, you know, not, I would have liked to have uh, heard a different song from somebody else. Or <laughs> Yeah, and like with the Cheap Trick, again, you know, you guys noticed there wasn't a lot of guitar on it. Yep. So they're bringing these bands in, and they're shying away from their strengths. And that is, so it's not really that I have a problem with the song. If it's performed by somebody else, I'm fine with it. But when you've got a drummer like that, and especially a keyboard player like that, like really... That's what you're going to let this keyboard player do. Like it's so, it's so underweight, you know, Ed, what did you think? I love this song. I, I do. I love this song. I do. I, I love lover boy. And I think this is a great power ballad, but this song was uh, originally written by May Moore and John Dexter of the Vancouver area. They were just local eerie musicians. Hmm. And then when lover boy got involved, Paul Dean and, Mike uh, Reno, both or Reno, uh, both added their name to the credits for the song oh. um, because they obviously put their twist on it. But yeah, it's dude, it's lover. First off, Lover Boy is '80s royalty. Yes, in my opinion. Okay, in mine too. And this is a love song. It's like the power ballad as power ballads were being born. You know, I mean, because we're what, maybe two years into the power ballads and all those early power ballads were like this. They didn't quite have the, okay, you need to have the huge guitar. It was working their way up to it. Uh, I think the harmonies are great. Everything about it, lyrics, music, the solos, I think it's a masterpiece. He's a great singer, but there was no, there was no, uh, like I didn't want to hear it again. It just, it didn't really? have a Oh, hook. I love the song. This is, this really? is in my rotation of playlists, yes. Okay, you know what? I'm going to, because because like you, I am a huge Loverboy fan. Like, I just can't get yep. enough Loverboy. So I'm going to listen to it again and see if I can um, if you, catch the if bug. If you get this mixed in with like Survivor and mm -hmm. bands like that, you're going to be like, oh, the song is okay. gold. I'm going to give it another chance. I'm going to give it another chance because in my <laughs> mind, Loverboy can do no wrong. So maybe I just missed it on this watch. Um, okay. Uh, track eight, Through the Fire. Uh, and thank you for giving us the writers of that last song because I know I uh, glossed over it. Yeah, no um, worries. Track eight, Through the Fire. Written by Giorgio Marauder and Tom Whitlock. It only took eight tunes for me to get it right. No problem. <laughs> Performed by Larry Green. Um, so this is the one, okay? This is the generic on sale at BJ's version of Danger Zone. It comes yes. in a white box <laughs> and with black writing. And um, for a musical backdrop to an action scene in a movie, it's fine. It, it fits perfectly. Like if you're watching a movie and it's just filling the space behind it musically. I loved it. But for a song, it's not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it isn't good. I, uh, I enjoyed all the guitar tracks, even though they felt um, like they were 
like swept off the cutting room floor of the danger zone track. Like they were like, like they did danger zone. Right. And then they were like, well, you know, this is like the verse. It didn't really work. This is kind of how we we're working. Well, this bridge wasn't really in there. And, and this is sort of how the chorus went before we, you know, refined it into danger zone. And they kind of like took all the scraps together and made like a chicken nugget out of it. Like it tasted okay, but it really wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Maybe if I never heard Danger Zone, I've been like, oh, through the fire, that song fucking rocks. But I have heard Danger Zone. Yeah, we, so, we heard the superior version first. We did. I tasted the real version. Dave, what did you think of uh, Through the Fire? Yeah, same thing. Danger Zone Part Two. Uh, same writers. They ripped themselves off. Um, this this song is completely unnecessary. Uh, although so, I did enjoy the Phantom of the Opera chord change. Yeah, that was nice in there. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. Oh, I um, missed it. Yeah, but, oh, but nice. the, the lyrics are garbage. It's so bad. So bad. Yep. Holy shit. Uh, Ed, <laughs> go I for wrote, it. I wrote one thing for this. <laughs> if they gave this song to Survivor and let them have their way with it, it would have been a freaking great song because they would have fixed it. Oh God! Or if they go. just called it "Danger Zone Deuce," you know? <laughs> yeah, I just i I couldn't even listen to the whole thing. I was just like, "Oh, oh this is just not good." That's fucking uh, hilarious. But it does, it does, like, like I don't know, just through the fire, just to me, screams Survivor. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that again with that with that mindset. <laughs> uh, track nine, destination unknown. Uh, this was written by Franny Gold. Jack Hooker and Paul Fox performed by Marietta Waters and produced by Harold Faltemeyer. Um, So right off the bat, this chorus had potential, but it came up a little short for me. Um, And it wasn't Maria Waters, uh, Marietta Waters fault. I enjoyed her vocal performance. Um, The chorus just needed more words. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it needed another melody harmony to make it hit. Like they kept returning to, they just, it was, it was too repetitive. The chorus just did. And then they ooh, like doing the ooze instead of like giving me some more words, like a return vocal, it, it could have hit so much harder. And it felt like, um, it felt like it just wasn't flushed out. Like they got the chorus almost there, like halfway there. And they were like, that's good enough. Let's just keep going. And, and I think they could have had another hit on their hands here. Had they spent a little more time trying to refine this chorus. Um, I thought the guitar solo was awesome on this. Uh, I love the sound of the guitar. It's that really scaled back guitar sound that I enjoy very much. And I liked all the licks that he played. Unfortunately, it felt like the solo was supposed to go on a little more. Maybe they almost edited it down. They were like, where can we chop this thing? You know, it like kind of abruptly stopped. And I was like, well, I want to hear the rest of that guitar solo. Um, but yeah, I thought Destination Unknown was fine. I mean, I liked the track a lot, but the chorus, like I said, it was kind of jarringly unfinished or unpolished to me. Um, Dave, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. They could have done a little more work on it and, and maybe come out with a better product. I mean, it's just very, very just okay for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I sort of looked up this singer cause I wasn't familiar with her name and, uh, she's done some soundtrack stuff and, and backup vocal work for bigger stars and she's got a LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty sweet. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but did you, do you so agree we're that with, now. <laughs> the, our, <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree though that with some more work um on the chorus as far as like adding another harmony, adding another melody, and maybe like four more words where the oohs and ahs are, this could have been a hit. Oh yeah, yeah. If they'd done a rewrite of this and, and punched it up a little bit, it, it definitely could have you know, done done better than what's there for sure. Yeah, I thought the verse was also stronger than the chorus, and that's always a problem. Uh, Ed, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I agree. It, it just feels like a filler song. I feel like the music was totally mailed in. Like it, it just it feels lazy to me. 
it's just a background song. It's completely uneventful for me. Um, you know, but like everything else on here that wasn't great, it's there's opportunity for it to be a great song. Absolutely. And I really feel they missed the mark on a lot of these where slight changes, you know, maybe not have, you know, this, even though this is a different writers, um, the other songs were mostly written by the same two guys <clears throat> having a wider variety and maybe the same producer on everything to get the sound kind of what, what could have been. Yeah. Um, know, because I mean, God, this just to go from such big songs in the beginning of the album in the soundtrack to just this stuff, you're just like, eh. yeah, I know that this week it sounded like maybe I had less to contribute musically track by track, but the album, honestly, dude, musically was a little thin. Oh, yeah. You know, it was more like for me, like, did I like the song? Didn't I like the song? What was the flavor? Like, that was kind of just how I approached this album. It was kind of hard to break down as a musician and be like, oh, this change and that change. It was like, no, it was simple. It was a soundtrack. And yeah, some soundtracks can be very, you know, complex, like Purple Rain, if you take out those garbage drums. But <laughs> this just oh. didn't have that. This just, just won't let that go. Never. Um, okay. So the final track on the album, oof, oof. This is the Top Gun anthem. And this is going to pain me because I love Steve Stevens. He holds a place inside my heart. Uh, you know, the first time I saw the Rebel Yell video, I popped a little tent, a little pants tent. You know, it's like, this is as good as it gets, man. Holy shit. This is not good. Okay. Um, so, all right, Top Gun Anthem, written by Harold Faltemeyer, performed by Harold Faltemeyer on piano and Steve Stevens, produced by Harold Faltemeyer, courtesy of Warner Brothers Records. Um, so if this track was great for about uh, 80 seconds, okay? Um, but at four plus minutes of that repetitive guitar riff, it was mind-numbing. Uh, I love Steve Stevens. And I thought he played well on this one, given the chance, but it's not up to Steve Stevens. Um, you know, he could, he's so much better than this. And I didn't love his finger tapping on this, even though it was very good. It was very good. He did it. He, he did it, pulled it off, but this is not how Steve Stevens plays guitar. And it felt very forced to me. His performance <laughs> felt very forced to me. And you just, you can't go four plus minutes. And I know they had to because it had to fill the space at the end of the movie. I get it. But we're not reviewing the movie. We're reviewing the tracks. And at four plus minutes, this was more per, more repetitive than my reviews on this song. <laughs> so, <laughs> fuck this song. Dave, go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I didn't mind the length. Uh, I thought it was great. That's what uh, she said. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. So Sorry. yeah, I mean Steve Stevens is known uh most famously for you know being the longtime uh guitar uh player in Billy Idol's band. And um, Vince Neal's gay band. Oh, oh. We, we, we won't talk about the Vince Neal solo band. Holy shit, uh, that sucked. <laughs> but uh you know, I thought I thought it was perfect for the movie. Uh for me, it's it's all about the guitar track. You know, reportedly he recorded this in one take. Wow. Um, okay. Wow. You know, that's the story anyway. It's um, impressive. But I think his playing is great. I mean, the finger tapping, you know, almost edged into into just a little too too much too far, but you know, it was yes. 1986. So, yes. you know, come on. But, but that's uh, he, why I was saying it felt a little forced for Steve Stevens. Like it almost felt like they kind of forced him to play in a style he did not want to play in or didn't feel comfortable playing in. Yeah, they they may have directed him. Oh, you got to do some of that Van Halen stuff in there. Yes, you know, um, you know, typically his his playing is just very tasteful and just perfect for the song. Yeah. And yes. and he he mostly had that there. You know, like I said, the the you know tapping might have been a little uh, questionable. Um, actually, the the story with this it was the song was originally intended for a different movie. Uh, it was a oh. dream sequence in the movie Fletch that he was working oh, on. One of my for. favorite movies of all times. One of my Great. favorite so movies good. of all times. So um, good. 
so the story goes that Billy Idol was recording in the studio next door and he heard it and he suggested, you know, that that go for Top Gun. And mm. and and here we are. <laughs> I think that this definitely fit. All right. So I do want to just say that I think that this is a perfect ending song for the movie. It worked very well when you're watching the movie on screen and hearing this behind it and your mind is more focused on what you're seeing than what you're listening to. The four and a half minutes goes by very quickly, but when you just have headphones on and you're drinking your coffee in the morning and trying to break this track down, it's like, okay, okay. going to play that riff again, huh? Okay. Okay. So Ed, what did you think? Well, this is why you're both wrong. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this song gives me a hard on. And the reason it gives <laughs> and the reason it gives me a hard on is <clears throat> when you're dealing with soundtracks that aren't based on a band, like Purple Rain is based on a band. So you know you're getting songs that are supposed to be hits because it's a band. Right. Soundtracks, it would be like us doing the Star Wars soundtrack. Yes. This, doing this. Okay. You need to look at it differently. Okay, they're not looking to write hits. They're looking to write songs that fit the scene. A musical score. Exactly. And okay. with this, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Des, since you just watched this, this song's also the opening song as uh, the, the F-15 yes. or F-14 Tomcats are getting raised up and getting launched. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, and just that whole, the way that opens with that, duh, I'm like, oh, because that's all I see. That yeah. sound only applies to an F-14 Tomcat going up and taking off from an aircraft carrier every time I hear it. That's okay. what I see. So I think it's perfect for the sound owning the image. Okay. You know what? That is a hot take. That is you a know, hot take. I'm going to go ahead now that I'm... Okay, sure. I'm with you. You know, because it's, it's <laughs> not a song written to be a standalone song. It's a song that's written to apply to an image and that's yes. how i looked at this however yeah. uh the, the way this whole thing like the, the keyboard and then you got the guitar in the middle and then slowly you start to hear the bass creep in to really give it the low rumble and i'm mm -hmm. like okay i'm getting this i'm digging it and i think it just it owns that scene in the movie uh and then the bridge you know i like the guitar solo i thought it was a super staccato most of it yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is unique. And I actually didn't even look and realize I didn't read this. I didn't realize it was Steve Stevens. And now I'm reading it and I listened to it real quick while you guys were talking. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I can't not hear Steve Stevens. Right. Right. You know, in certain parts, there are little little trinkets where I'm like, OK, that's a Steve Stevens sound. This is not. But it works. Uh, and I get it. But yeah. So, you know, that's I think I think this this is kind of I was expecting something, I guess, more like this on the album and less pop hits other than the big ones that fit the pop scenes right. in the movie. And I was expecting there to be more just sound music, music sounds with no lyrics on this. Yeah. You know, and that I think, I think also bounces back to what I referenced previous with some of the songs where it sounds like they had the music. So it's just a soundtrack piece to fit the image. And then they go, well, let's throw vocals over it. And then they realize there's no throwing vocals over this. No, <laughs> there's, there's no none. flow. <laughs> yeah. But I do like the way you, um, you said, you know, the star Wars thing where you have, you know, Darth Vader's music. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, you what? always associate it. Yes. And it did work. It put in that context. Absolutely. It worked, but you know, yeah. And for people who don't know, like if you just know Steve Stevens from like watching these, you know, eighties Billy Idol videos, he did not play. Uh, he played a very, uh, like, you know, in Rebel Yell, you know, da, 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 you know, like these these solos that don't show up what he could do. Steve Steve is a very, very technical guitar player. Oh, he can yeah. He's play. Great. Yeah, he can. He's really, really good. And he can play a lot of different styles of um, music and he can solo in just about any style, which he proved on this being able to do the Eddie Van Halen style. So, yeah, very good. Um, okay, let's wrap this bitch up. Uh, what was your favorite track? My favorite track was Danger Zone. I think that's no surprise. And the track I would cut, shit, I was going to say the Top Gun Anthem, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna roll that back now a little bit. And uh, 
Uh, let me think about it. Um, Ed, what was your favorite track? Uh, it was a toss up between Danger Zone and Take My Breath Away. I mean, yeah, it's they're both so good. They're so good, but Danger Zone is just. I, I think Kenny Loggins can do no wrong. I'm with um, you. So I went with Danger Zone. Okay. Uh, the track and I would which cut one would you cut? Would be Through the Fire, and that would be because Survivor didn't do it. <laughs> Okay. And Dave, favorite song and uh, song you would cut. All right. Favorite song, La Zona del Peligro, Danger Zone. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's just, it, you know, it, it's badass. Come on. Um, the track I would cut is Through the Fire. It's not needed on there. They could have put something else uh, worthwhile in its place. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Through the Fire with both of you guys again. I mean, Ed, this is why we talk through these songs and these tracks. You definitely uh, brought me back on board with um, the the 10th track there. Um, okay, so <laughs> if you had to replace one member of one of the bands, who would it be and who would get the gig? I will start this off. And I would replace Steve Stevens here, and I would replace him with David Gilmore. Because I think David oh, Gilmore, I think you, David Gilmore would kill that. Yeah, yes, great yes. call. I think David Gilmore would give us the melodic uh, guitar playing that we would need without being too repetitive. So yes, love David Gilmore. Uh, Ed, what would you do? Uh, I did something a little different. I didn't do a member of one of the bands. Instead, I said I would replace her. every band. And just have Kenny Loggins do the entire soundtrack. I'm with you. Okay. Except for the survive except for the survivor on um I would even I would even have him do that. Yeah, just get let Kenny Loggins loose and let him do it. Dude, okay, all I am Kenny with all you. the time. Yeah, yes. all Kenny all the time on the Top Gun soundtrack, and this album is way better. And if you if you give him the opportunity to write with Michael McDonald for this soundtrack, forget <laughs> it. Every song would be Grammy winner. Yes. No, no. I'll tell you what, every chorus would hit. For yes. sure. Yeah. There would be um, hooks galore. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Dave, go ahead. What do you got? All right. I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm replacing a whole band. Uh, I got to get rid of uh, the Loverboy song. Oh, um, unfortunately, yeah. uh, th this hooks into a fun fact that I found. Uh, I would replace them with Judas Priest. Uh, just a second oh, week in I, a row. I love this fact. No, they, they were approached... Uh, to allow their song Reckless in the film. Uh, but then they declined when the uh, contract stipulated that it had to be exclusive to the soundtrack. They had it ready to go on their album already. And they uh, didn't want to they didn't want to mess with their album and the flow of their album. Uh, so they they decided not to do it. Uh, wow. Looking I back, that was a they, mistake. Yeah, they they have said in interviews looking back you know we might have messed up there and, yeah, <laughs> we, we probably should have gone a little more mainstream in that one yeah i'll tell you what could have helped out their sales i think judas priest uh turbo lover could have been behind uh tom cruise racing his kawasaki down the tarmac oh there you <laughs> are. right yeah that would have been great <laughs> okay okay uh so let's do some final thoughts on this one um and some some watt scores. Uh, okay, so I love Kenny Loggins and Berlin. And uh, I also love the tracks they contributed to the album with Danger Zone being a 100-watt song. Um, I love Cheap Trick and I love Loverboy. As I have stated, they are two of my favorite bands. But I did not love the songs they contributed to this album. So for that reason... This album for me is pushing a, it's a weak 57.5 Watts. I mean, I love the big three, but the rest of it, I just, no, thanks. I'm going to pass. Uh, and what do you got for final thoughts on a Watt score? Uh, yeah. So as far as soundtracks go, this is a good soundtrack. It's not a great soundtrack. I think there were four really good songs on it. I'm sorry. Three really good songs on it. And one, like you said, 100-watt song. Yeah. Um, 
Actually, you know what? I'd even say two and two because Take yes. My Breath Away is just that good. It's a 100-watt song, yes. Yeah, so like you have two amazing songs and then two songs that are good, not great. Um, and I, I, it's tough because I just, I, as cheesy as the movie is now to watch, I still just love it. It's so near and dear to my heart. Um, so it's hard to, to kind of separate it, but I gave this uh 55.14 Watts. Oh, I feel good about my score now. Sometimes <laughs> I start shaking and I'm like, it's a, uh... okay. Okay. I agree with you, Desmond. It's, it's, okay. it's good. Just not great. It's average. I feel so good about my score this week. I'll tell you what score. I'll tell you what score. I'm second guessing a little bit. My score on Junkyard because the album we're doing next week, I know it's better than Junkyard. Way better. Way better. And it's, I I went too high. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just say to the listeners, I'm sorry. I think yes. Junkyard should have been like 86.8 would be my score if I could redo it. Um. But I think I was feeling the pressure of having Patrick Mazingo on the show. And I do love the album, but Oh, uh, you were totally ball washing. A little totally bit. ball washing. <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. bit. 86.8 <laughs> would be my actual score. Um, I would recalculate that if you guys were okay with it. But Delin says that that is a horseshit move. So, yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, Dave. Dave, go. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we got three or four great tracks here. Uh, the rest kind of basically filler. Um, what's important here, though, we kind of talked about is how it fits with the movie and, you know, the songs, uh, you know, fitting in that way, uh, doing their job. Uh, Would have liked to have a little more organic music, but, you know, it was 1986. That's, you know, synth is is the big deal. Yes. Uh, it works as is. I think the, the high points of, of the album completely save it and and give it the score that we're giving it uh so i'm gonna do a 59 nice so we were all pretty much on the same page for this one i'm pretty psyched about that <laughs> okay um so ed will you calculate those scores for us please all right so uh Desi's score of 57.5 my score of 55.14 and dave's score of 59 watts Comes out to an average of 57.21 watts. And Dave, where does that put this album on the Breaking Vinyl Charts? Oh, it puts it uh, just above Jane's Addiction. <laughs> Nothing shocking. <laughs> and just under uh, Hoobastank. What so I believe that's number fuck, uh, 10 out How of 11. Is nothing shocking, not better than this soundtrack? Because nice. it's not. All right, listen. It doesn't have Danger Zone <laughs> on it. <laughs> You're killing me. Jane's Addiction played Danger Zone. Then we might be talking. This is fucking, this is, dude, you guys, this is fucking bullshit, okay? All right. All right. Um, as I have the next pick, once again, this week, what I'm going to do is say, we created this show not only to discuss the hits and the great albums, but also to have people look at music and albums they may not have heard. So this week, I've got homework for the listeners. We are going to be reviewing Mother Love Bones, Apple. Okay? This fucking album, this album fucks. This album slaps. This album is fucking amazing. I would like you people to go and listen to it if you haven't, and then return with your notes this week. And we'll break it down together. Um, so, yes, we're going to be doing Mother Love Bones Apple next week. Um, this week on the movie podcast, we're going to be doing Air Force One with Harrison Ford. So if that tickles your fancy, you could find that tonight or tomorrow. Um, let's do some shout outs. I want to shout out to Matt Lawrence. Matt, thanks for listening to the show. We appreciate you. Um, I would also like to apologize to Seamus. Last week, inadvertently, <laughs> I um, read your name as C. Muss. Uh, my wife said, Des, you are a fucking idiot. His name is Seamus. And she laughed at me and, uh, and ridiculed me, you know, uh, ruthlessly. So 
Seamus, I, from the bottom of my heart, would like to apologize for the mispronunciation of your name last week. It was not intentional. As it's been discovered, I just am a fucking moron. And when it comes to names, even more so. So I apologize to Seamus for that. Um, Listen, it only took you eight songs to get the writers of most of these songs correct (laughs) 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 on this this week's album. So there is definitely a a pattern here. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So next week, Ed, you are going to be away on business, correct? Correct. Okay, so uh, I'm going Delin... to send in some uh, pointers because I'm excited to listen to this album. In okay. uh, in because I'm such a narcissist, I need to be involved. <laughs> okay, so and send in your watch score, and yes. we will uh, divide it by four next week. If I like your score, if it's too low, I will leave it out. Um, <laughs> uh, so, like always, I'd like to thank uh, the listeners for stopping by and listening to the show. We see you. We appreciate you. Please write into the show with any comments, um, whatever you got. We will read it on the air if we like it. Um, I want to thank my two co-hosts for helping me break down this album this week as I did not bring my full bag this week. I was very busy. I did what I could. You guys were great. You filled up the dead space. Um, Ed, just please tell the listeners quickly where they can find us. Uh, You can find us any place that has your favorite uh, streaming service for uh, podcasts. You can find our social medias on Instagram at breaking underscore vinyl underscore podcast on Twitter at B vinyl pod and on Facebook at breaking vinyl podcast. And I ask you all do it right now, right now. Give us a five-star review, wherever you're listening to it, a thumbs up, whatever they offer, do it because that bumps the podcast up the charts and makes it easier to find for people that might enjoy the show. So right now do it. Uh, If you're listening on Apple, I implore you, please, 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 please. We don't charge you for this. We don't put commercials in the show. We have now been offered commercials where we could be making not a ton of money, but enough money to make it worthwhile putting a commercial in the show. But I don't do it because I don't want to fucking stop the flow and make you listen to these garbage commercials. Um, do you want to listen to Manscaped? No, you don't. So all <laughs> I you, you ask, mean commercials for valued sponsors, right, Des? Yes, yes, <laughs> Woo! yeah, exactly. So all I ask is this: if you could just write a small review and give it five stars on Apple, that goes so far. So just write, "Hey, great show, Des sucks. Uh, great show, Des can't pronounce names. Davis great so show, mean. Des rambles on. I wish he would shut up." Please remind Des to shut up. That would be fine. Um, If you like movies, please check out our sister podcast. Hey, did you ever see that movie? Like I said, we'll be doing Air Force One this week. If you like that, go check it out. So until next time, take those records out of the sleeve and let the music breathe. See you later.